Welcome to the Wildlands. I'm Matt. And I'm David. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about shooting ranges, where to go, and how to find them, as well as Miramichi Striped Bass Spawn 2021. And make sure to stay tuned till the end of the episode for our insight on the product of the day. So let's jump right into it. All right. So being episode number four of season three, uh, we're well on our way, uh, obviously, with uh, with our, our third season uh, lineup and everything like that. Uh, we'd like to also do a shout out, like in all our episodes, this shout out and this topic is brought to you in part by West End Sports, your five-star Yamaha dealer for northeastern New Brunswick, where you are sure to find something that revs your heart. And with that said, our topic is shooting ranges where to find them and how to find them yeah with, that's it i mean yeah it, you know it, every, I mean, every region has their, their well not i shouldn't say every region within a certain distance of everywhere uh i'm sure most of us can find a shooting range um you know i we have one we actually have like three or four within an hour's drive in either direction yeah about yeah about an hour's drive but uh, I mean, we got one within 20 minutes, but I yeah. mean, we also have, we can stretch out a little bit more to go to, uh, to do, and, and every one of them has different, uh, you know, different uses and different uses, options actually. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And I mean, one of the important facts, this is something that we actually never really touched base on, uh, throughout the three seasons that we've had, uh, is in fact, I mean, we've talked about hunting, we've talked about, you know, different different items of hunting and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, one of the main things that obviously we never really touched base on was the, the utility uh, of where you can go and zero in your, your firearm and where you can go to practice uh, either you be a, you know, a very recent new hunter, a beginner, or if you be somebody that's more avid, a lot of times people will actually go, you know, and just shoot some targets <laughs> that's right i mean you know that's the place where you're going to learn uh the safe handling of a firearm yep um safe practices you know just getting familiar with your your firearm i mean you don't want to be doing this on your first hunt out in the woods uh, i strongly recommend uh being a member of a shooting club yep oftentimes you will meet other hunters or you know, just shooters there that will, will really be able to help you out uh, and yep. be able to, you know, point you in the right directions on a lot of stuff. But just the fact that you, you get to handle it, you get, you know, comfortable with it uh, and you learn the, the safety right away uh, because it's, everybody knows a shooting range and an actual hunt are two different things. Even yep. for somebody that's that's been hunting and shooting for a long time, Um the, the action of a hunt, the adrenaline of a hunt, that's where accidents happen. Mm-hmm. Not saying that none of those happen at shooting ranges as well, but the more you're familiar with it, the more you get, you know, your trigger safety and, and your unloading, you know, your, your, just your basic steps of handling a firearm. Uh, that's why I really, really find that, uh, being a member of a shooting range, shooting club, uh, has many benefits. You get it. You get to have a good time as well. Uh, you know, you get to practice. You get to make sure your your rifle is is set right. And yep. oftentimes there's uh, you know friendly competitions every once in a while. I know we used to have them the uh, 
pre-COVID time, we used to have our, our shooting, little shooting competitions. Yep. And whether you're going there to fire off, you know, your Magnum rifles or you're just going there to plink with a, with a 22LR, I mean, I usually go with a rifle, a high-powered rifle, shoot off, you know, five to ten rounds, and uh, then probably spend the next hour, hour and a half just plinking with my twenty-two. Yep. Inexpensive to shoot and still, you know, practices all the same skills on a, on a low recoil, uh, low cost, uh, low noise, you know, it's just, just fun to shoot mm-hmm. and it still practices everything you need, your breathing, your trigger pull, your, uh, your aiming, you know, your, your stability. Yep. I mean, very, very, a lot of different things you can do yep. uh, at a shooting range. Yeah, there's there's a large variety of things that uh, that are accessible at uh, your local shooting range and, and whatnot, but it, it's also things that you have to inform yourself on and not just show up there with anything. That's right. Um, the also, like you mentioned before, there's also the, you know, there's a leeway, there's a difference between your hunting actions and your, your shooting range actions. Uh, however, your shooting range actions will give you that kind of that kind of usefulness or that kind of practice of just proper etiquette and manipulation of exactly. and proper handling of the firearm that you have. Uh, it's not just because, you know, the adrenaline also gets in, in the way and whatnot. It's just, you get that kind of routine, you know, action that, that you get used to doing. Therefore, even when you're in the moment with, let's say your hunt or the animal that's in front of you, then you have that kind of, not monotone, but the kind of sequenced action that you know that you have to do because that's how you practice at the shooting range. You know, you that's right. get your breathing right, get, you know, get in, in position, you know, properly handle everything, finger off the trigger at all times until ready to take the shot. And, you know, these are all things that you have to, you have to bear in mind. You have to keep in mind, uh, you know, your safety and all that. And these are all etiquette and, and proper handling that you practice continuously on every sequence that you take when you're at the shooting range. And that's the importance of it. It's learning these steps that you have to take. And, you know, especially when it comes down, because there's, there's different varieties, as Matt says, of things that you can do there as much as you can shoot a 22 LR, or you can, you know, you can fire off a, a higher power rifle like for instance, there's some shooting ranges that even allow you to do skeet shooting, which are yep. it's something that's actually, uh, I mean, we've worked our way up to. We bought a bunch of skeets and a bunch of you know, ammunition. We bought the the skeet thrower. And, yeah, you know. exactly. Uh, the ammunition to be able to do so, uh, and I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't I haven't actually gone skeet shooting yet, but it's something yep. that I would like to do because not only is it practicing proper etiquette but i know that for instance you and i we both want to do like we want to be a lot you know more present in the goose hunting and duck hunting scene that's right and i know that it's something that i'll be able to practice at and get better at meaning that i'm going to have less possibility of injuring an animal and a higher probability of actually doing a ethical shot with a shotgun And that's what a shooting range is good for is because you're practicing your, the ethicality of the whole thing. 
and you know that everything's zeroed in. You know how to, you know, lead the shot because with skeets, you can do that. And that's right. That's what I find is pretty cool about it. No, for sure. I mean, it, it, it puts you in the good habits. It's the, you don't want to be practicing, <laughs> put it this way. You don't want to be practicing at the actual moment for hunting. Exactly. You want to have that practice done before. You yep. want to have the good habits uh, created beforehand. So when you go out there, it feels natural. Yep. Uh, you know, you take the uh, the unknown out of everything else. Yep. Um, that's why, you know, and again, I've been hunting and shooting for years. I'm still a member of the shooting, uh, the, the shooting club here in town every year. Uh, I go out when I can. Uh, and for like me, another reason that I am a member of the, the shooting range is because here in Canada, uh, we have also uh, restricted firearms permit, which means uh, handguns and revolvers. Yep. Uh, you know, and you need to be a member of a club to possess that license and to legally have uh, restricted firearms registered to you mm-hmm. uh, because they're used for sport shooting only, competition or, or like target shooting. Yep. So if you're not a member of a range or a club, well, you can't take the firearms out of your house anyway. Yep. Meaning, you know, why have them? Yeah, exactly. So what's the usefulness of that, it? If in exactly. That that's also, and we were lucky enough here at our local range, uh, again, like you say, you know, some range have a rifle range. Uh, our rifle range goes to 100 yards, 100 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do not have skeet shooting anymore at ours, but there is uh, a range not that far from us, again, within an hour's drive that offers, that has a very, very nice uh, trap and skeet shooting range. Mm-hmm. But we fortunately, just before COVID, got a dedicated pistol range. Um, our pistol range used to be with our rifle range, uh, meaning you could not shoot both at the same time. But now they, they did like do a side pistol-only range up to 50 meters. Okay. Uh, with the backstop, the required backstop and everything else. Yeah. So we get to practice our, uh, our pistol shooting there as well. Yeah, that's not bad. And. Yeah. You know, like, it's not that I feel that that a shooting range is a dying tradition kind of thing. Because, uh, I mean, everybody's all heard about the story of somebody going to firing off at a gravel pit, you know, mm-hmm. doing gravel pit shooting and, and whatnot. We've all heard those stories. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, the shooting range in a certain sense, because, you know, a lot of people kind of have a, that misconception about shooting ranges and whatnot and it's it's very strange i find about uh how people feel about it i think it's just generalization generalization sorry but just shooting a firearm although you really you really have a hard time finding somebody that says that they've never actually enjoyed shooting a firearm yeah you know it's kind of something that's strange but you never actually hear anybody say that they they didn't enjoy it and it's just like humane nature almost in a certain sense, I feel like yeah, we're just drawn to it kind of thing in a, in a certain way. I don't know how to how to explain it. It's just like... Like I know what you mean, saying, you know, I, I know people that have never shot a firearm. Yeah. But I have never heard of somebody that has shot a firearm that instantly said they would never do it again. Yeah. Or they, they, they like would want 
nobody to have firearms type thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, and I, I'm totally like, again, my wife comes hunting, uh, with us all the time. Uh, you know, she's never fired a, a firearm in her life. Yeah. So she is not against it. She's not against hunting. She's not against shooting ranges. She just chose not to hunt herself or fire a firearm herself. Yeah. And that's fine. And then people who, and I mean, there are some that are, you know, why should we need to hunt and all that? And we're not going to get into that topic, really. No. Everybody, I respect them if they respect me. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, you know, that's fair. But like you say, anybody I've ever brought to a shooting range that has never shot before and I introduced them to it, I know a couple of my friends that actually ended up going and passing the hunter safety course and doing all the required paperwork to get a firearms possession license here in Canada. Yep. And they ended up buying, you know, whether it be a shotgun for small game hunting or just a twenty-two to go plink shooting. I've I've brought in a few people into that that sport, mm-hmm. whether it be one or the other, just by bringing them to the shooting range. Yep. No, I, I, it it's just, you know, it's and when it, it ties into a bit of the subject that I mean by uh, by it being a dying breed is. That no matter how much we feel like, or that we know or or see, the enjoyment that a person has after they've shot on a target, the gun target shooting, it still seems to be kind of something that it's just like nobody really talks about going to the shooting range that often. And, yep. you know, like I remember when I did my, my course a long time ago, when I first did my course... Uh, I remember my dad bringing me to the shooting range, uh, and it was with a twenty-two, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. He had the targets down range and whatnot, and we'd spend. I probably it was like a course of like three hours every, every like Tuesday or something like that of every week. Okay. And it was just you know going to the shooting range and firing off a twenty-two, right? Getting used to it. Getting safety, used to it, safety, yeah. the whole yeah. works, and and whatnot. But I mean. Again, I think maybe one of the the larger factors, one of the one of the huge factors between why we don't see that often anymore is mm-hmm. just or as much as we did before is price costing. Like <laughs> it, it's crazy already on the price of of ammunition. I mean, just for twenty rounds, a federal nozzler partition. As as uh, is what I I purchased last year last season, mm-hmm. I was already in ninety dollars for twenty rounds. Now this is yep. for seven millimeter mag, but I mean still it took me forever to be able to find that exact box. That's uh, right. I had to find this in a gas station. There was nothing left at Bass <laughs> Pro. There was nothing left anywhere that was selling any of that that specific ammunition. And because yep. they were sold out everywhere, but not only are they sold out, but the prices are exponentially high. So I'm kind of just wondering, you know, what's going to happen to these type of of foundations, these type of enterprises or clubs when there's almost no more ammunition readily available or, I mean, yeah. there's a very, there's a huge lack of it. And on top yeah. of there being a lack of of available ammunition, there's also a high cost price to these things. Other than if you yeah. get, you know, 
range shots for, for shotguns or if you yeah. get, you know, just 22 plinkers. I mean, yep. those are like the only two options you have left that are semi cost effective because of the, the, you know, the quantity that they make. But the rest of them, I mean, the box that I found, I don't necessarily feel like I'm going to want to go and waste four shots on a target when I know it's going to cost <laughs> me, you know, like 20 Five bucks just to do that. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. it. Like, you know, that's why I always say the way I do it is when I go, I bring one one of my, my high-powered rifles, um, and then I follow, you know, let's say I'm getting ready for coyote season. Well, I want to make sure I bring my, my 223 w, WSSM. I'll fire off, you know, anywhere from 5 to 10 shots on there. Ensure, yeah. you know, it's sighted in, it's good. I have my way of sighting in. Uh, you know, because we only have a hundred yard, a hundred meter um, shooting range. Yep. I have my way of shoot of of sighting it in, knowing you know I'll be good at three hundred yards. Yep. I'll fire those shots off, and then after that, I'm gonna plink around with my twenty two, for yep. that exact reason for the cost. But also, don't forget, I do reload. I'm gonna say probably about ninety percent of everything I shoot. Yep. Uh, which still is costly but it it does save a little bit so you know yeah that you, is you a do save a, a little bit on the yeah you know in the long yeah. run let's say but i mean yeah, still yeah. the price i find is just it, that's what's really given us that's a hard why it's time. going down yeah yep. that's why it's going down the popularity of it is going down and that's that's what i find is a bit unfortunate because there's a large factor of safety that runs into these clubs and mm-hmm. a large factor of learning for those that are new to the sport in these clubs. Right. And now we're almost limited to relying on just self-teaching because yep. we can't, fly. yeah, we can't afford to go. Yeah, exactly. Yep. On the fly because we can't afford to go waste, you know, all the, all our expenses and our investment for just a couple targets. You know what I mean? Like That's it's right. just. Uh, that's what I find is unfortunate about it. It's it's killing off this breed and this kind of tradition. And uh, no, I, I mean there there obviously is a lot of people that go there, but those are people that oh, have yeah, the finances is... and the money to be able to spend that much money and and actually do it. But there's a large large portion of us that we can't afford to do that. <laughs> I believe that, like you said, the biggest uh, thing there is that the new hunters coming in or the new shooters coming in are not getting the proper practice and safety, um, Not I wouldn't say safety trainings, but safety habits. Yeah. You know, kind of drilled into their mind. Yeah. They're just like, oh, I want to start hunting. Let's go. We'll buy a firearm. We will shoot it, you know, two, three, four times before the season, guaranteed. They're going to, like you said, they're going to go to a, uh, a gravel pit somewhere. They're going to set yeah. up a target and they're going to shoot. But that's not enough to really get in those habits. So if you're if you're new to shooting and new to hunting or or even like I say even for the the, the veteran hunter. Yeah. It's never a bad uh, never ever a bad idea to go to a shooting range and just, you know, get into that that motion of knowing, okay, every from uncasing the rifle to shooting to going downrange, 
to casing it back up and bringing it home and everywhere in between, Mm -hmm. you know, that's how you get to be safe and avoid accidents. Yep. No, definitely. Very important. Very, very important. Very important. No, definitely. And I think that pretty much wraps up, you know, like I find for me, topic number one, this topic right here for shooting ranges and whatnot, this was pretty much just a, it was a topic that I wanted to be able to touch base on with everybody in just the sense Mm -hmm. of the importance of it, the utility of it, where you can find it, which like we said, we're from Bathurst. There is one in Miramichi. uh, There's a firing Mm -hmm. range, a gun club in Miramichi. Uh, There's another one where, Matt? In, well, there's one here in, well, in Bathurst, 10 minutes out of Bathurst. It's the Schiller Shooting Club. Yep. Uh, then there's the one in, in Dalhousie or Balmoral, uh, which is about an hour away. Yep. And I believe there's one uh, by your way right now where you're at in Trackety, right? That, that is correct. There is one. Yeah. That's it. So see, that's the four, other than the one that's 20 minutes out of Bathurst, all three other ones are pretty much the exact same distance from where I am in Bathurst. Yep. In yep. three directions. Yeah, the uh, the Miramichi one actually is just past the um, when you you pass like all the gas stations, the, uh, yeah, the Petrocan. Exactly. Uh, I think it's an Ultramar or it's an Irving. Uh, it's an Irving. I haven't been there. In yeah, long and then you have yeah. the Tim Hortons, and you just keep going direction yeah. uh, Moncton. That's south, where yeah. yeah, that's where uh, south of Bathurst. Yeah, the, uh, the Miramichi shooting. The range Miramichi there. one is south of Bathurst. Um, the one in Trackety is east of Bathurst, and the one in in Balmoral is north of Bathurst. Yep. So, now, once again... And west, there's only forests, so that's why there's no shooting range that way. Yeah. <laughs> and once again, if you're want, if you interested in, in figuring, you know, if you want to shoot skeets or so on and so forth, I strongly recommend that you contact those uh, gun clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give them a call, give them a shout out. They have Facebook pages most of the time. And so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Get a hold of them and just ask them what type of, uh, you know, what variety or activities that are available are permitted yeah, yeah. are permitted at their range exactly. at their range and and then you won't show up there for no reason at all yep um another little thing that I, a little side note that i want to just talk about um before we we jump into topic number 2 now there's something that i i find is actually kind of strange that we don't have that or well we we might have that in canada but we, it's not very as popular Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to uh, when we look at our neighbors in the United States, mm-hmm. are firing ranges that have the possibility of renting different type of firearms. Mm-hmm. Because, um, I mean, I can understand that somebody may have their PAL license and may have mm-hmm. their, you know, their firearm license and, and so on and so forth, but they they have not necessarily had the opportunity of purchasing <clears throat> their first mm-hmm. firearm. And it's not necessarily, I mean, I know myself, it, it is a bit intimidating when we think of purchasing mm-hmm. our first firearm because we don't know what really we need for That's the right. type of hunting that we'd like to do or the type of shooting mm-hmm. that we'd like to do. And it's oftentimes we're just relying on what he or she says, you know what I mean? Before purchasing yep. our first firearm. Guaranteed. Now, having a type of range where you would have the possibility of testing these type of calibers i think could be useful in kind of just saying okay look this is too much for me this is good for me 
So it's you're also looking in the safety of, uh, aspect of it. If somebody's buying a yep. high powered high powered rifle, but in in other words, cannot handle that rifle, then at least it's they would unsafe. have. Yeah, it's unsafe. It's an unsafe practice, and at mm-hmm. least in an area where they would have been able to rent these type of calibers prior to doing the purchase of it, then obviously they would have been able to say like, okay, this is way too powerful for me. I'm going lower. And then they know which caliber they like. They go and purchase that caliber. You know what I mean? Like you know. I know, I know. Out in uh, in Ontario, uh, my sister in law has went to a range where there was an instructor that would that allowed them to uh, to fire off all kinds of different things. That and she does not have a valid firearms license. She does not have any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a couple years back. Now, I don't know where it was, what it is, how it works, but I, I know I've seen that there, and I believe I've heard of somebody tell me that in Alberta, they had went there on vacation, and I think they had family members there, and uh, they went out to a, a shooting range, mm-hmm. and, in, and most of those are indoor, actually, the ones in, in Canada that I've seen. Okay. It was an indoor shooting range, and he was able to fire off a whole bunch of different things. Okay. Right. Yeah, but I know I've never seen one. Personally, I've never seen one, and I've never heard of any anywhere near where we are. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I just find that it's a, a bit strange yeah. that it's not readily available. And, and I find that this is something that could kind of take away on the stigma Mm-hmm. of being afraid of doing your first or your initial purchase of a firearm of your first That's firearm right. it would it would kind of eliminate that 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 gray zone of knowing what you want and what you don't want what you need and what you don't need kind of thing and and so on That's and so right. forth yeah so anyways that that would be it for topic number 1 that i had mm-hmm. uh, to talk about and by doing so let's jump right into topic number 2 all right, and topic number two tonight is, uh, or tonight, today, we're, we're tonight, but for you guys, yeah. it's probably morning time. But topic number two is brought to you by Little River Polyculture, uh, where you're sure to find a delicious variety of microgreens and baby greens for all your meal prep needs. So if you're in the region, if you're around here, if you're passing through, make sure to check them out. They have a lot of good products. You can find them uh, on Facebook, on their website. That is Little River Polyculture. And yeah, the uh, second topic uh, here is going to be the striped bass spawn on the Miramichi River. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's something very impressive over the last couple of years. It's drawn a lot of attention. Um, you know, when the migration of the, uh, the stripers come up north, they will enter the uh, Miramichi River waterway yep. and, you know, Pre-spawn fishing is amazing. I mean, the river is full of fish. Uh, you know, it draws in a lot of people to the region. It also has one very large uh, tournament, which is the Striper Cup. Yep. Um, the Miramichi region just, you know, explodes with fishermen for it, a month and a half, two months. It runs from beginning of May to something like end of May, no? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the tournament, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Now... Um, when the spawn happens, what, what happens with the spawn? The reason I say that is because, I mean, you can, you can YouTube videos of the Miramichi, uh, striped bass spawn 
2020, 2021. I mean, there's, there's videos of every year pretty much. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's still pretty amazing to see and to witness. I mean, the river is full of spawning fish. Okay. And when that happens, it's, it's a different time every year. It's always, you know, generally close to the year before, Yep. but it's never the same day. Just whenever it starts, it starts. Yep. What happens then is the DFO, uh, which is the uh, Department of Fisheries and Oceans, they go in there and they will close the river, uh, the, the spawning grounds. They don't close the entire river. They just close a section of the river because that's where the spawning is going on. They will close that to all fishing and boat traffic. Um, because, I mean, it, it the river is just jam-packed with spawning fish, right? Yeah. So, and they will close it for five consecutive days to ensure, you know, the, the best probability of a successful spawn to just keep the species numbers high and keep this incredible fishery really, you know, at its top game like it is right now. Yep. And hopefully, hopefully just gains momentum and keeps going. Um, this year, uh, I will admit I was a little disappointed with seeing a lot of videos online, um, yeah, the uh, it was we it was sad to see, to be honest. Yeah, um, both by and, and and here I'm going to do two different things. It was sad to see by the fishermen disrespecting the disrespecting nature in general, but disrespecting what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's videos online of 20, 30 boats in the middle of like the this massive spawning pool, just casting out there and jigging at fish, you know, gut hooking them, tail hooking them, and just bringing them in like crazy and laughing about it, or riding their boats through it and like their prop on the back, literally chopping up stripers through the river. And filming all of this and kind of like laughing and saying, oh my God, I've never seen this many fish. Yeah, well, you know, at least if you're, if you're going to cross, you know, pull the motor up, row across, you know, your, your oar won't do no damage. Mm -hmm. So on the fisherman side, I was very disappointed. Um, you know, was not something I wanted to see, not something that I promote at all. Uh, I still, you know, I, I commented on, on a lot of stuff. Especially for myself being, you know, uh, using striped bass as a, a, a part of my business to be able to bring people out and enjoy the, the fishery that we have. It was very disturbing to see. On, the, on a second note, though, this was on the 21st of May. Mm -hmm. Okay. It took the DFO till May 26th to close it. For the five consecutive days. I mean. Okay. There was there was a lapse of time there. That like. That that should have been closed on the 21st. Yeah like it should have been closed. It, well in instantly. advance. Prior it to the. To the all the incidents. Like yeah. I mean. Especially if they know that every year. It happens around the same time. There's all these people out there fishing. The first person that would have reported it. or Or even there should be in my opinion, uh, DFO officers patrolling there, 
day in and day out, and when they see it start, everybody off the water. Yep. You know that that's how it should have been. Uh, I wish it would have been. I'm I'm also very disappointed in the way that was managed. Um. But you know, I, I that's my little bit on that. I have not much to say, for sure. But there there was emails written and and you know comments given out, and hopefully next year will be better. Because I also seen we'll be, you know you know, know what better I saw managed. that really bought. Something I saw that really bothered me was because, like I said, the river is only closed in the spawning ground, right? So yep. below and above, you can still fish. And a lot of guys that when the spawn started, and real fishermen, if you ask me, the spawn's on, they know, and it's always closed at the same thing. They use like two bridges that cross the river to to make the spawning grounds, like the lines, okay? Okay. They all went back down river and they crossed the, the bridge and they kept fishing, which was completely allowed, right? Yeah. So he hooks on this bass and he reels it in. When it comes in, it is missing like, you know, a chunk out of its back that you can clearly see that it was a prop on a boat that tore through it. The fish was still alive, mm-hmm. still bit onto his lure and still pulled it in, but I mean... You really think that fish was going to survive much longer than that? Probably not. Yeah. You know, so I, I found that unfortunate to see, and I'm sure that was not the only one. But anyway, the Mirashi spawn is on now, uh, done soon. And the only, the good thing that the spawn brings for me is I know after they spawn there, they only got one place to go, and that's back out into salt water and back to where we are yeah exactly so that's that's the positive the point for me with the spawn yeah Yeah, when you see that the the quantities that were that were you know present in the video and whatnot then you know that more more or less you're going to be getting you're going to be getting those in in your in your area as well when this when this episode is coming out in the morning i will be going fishing that same night for the first time hoping that my estimates of the migration will be pretty much on yeah. to start catching them here in Bathurst. So. Yeah. No, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that said, and with uh, subject number two underway, we do have a product of the day, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a generalization. Uh, yeah, it's a, in it's a doing, different product of the day. Yeah. It's a, or a different it, way of presenting. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, and it also is mostly due in part with uh, topic number one, which was with shooting range. Uh, it does tie in quite heavily with that as well uh, into the proper handling of your firearm, uh, which would be gun cases. And yeah, I mean, really, you know, you know like you, you said, need it. <laughs> you, it is a necessity. There are a wide and very large variety of gun cases that you can purchase. Uh, you have, uh, for instance, you have soft shells, you have hard shells, uh, you have safes. Um, I mean, there are, there's just so many, you have socks, you actually have gun socks, gun socks, um, which I believe would be mostly in the soft shell category, but soft shell category still has, you know, ways of of locking it, locking it up through the zip and whatnot. Whereas socks, you, you really don't. Uh, it's yeah. just a pull cord usually on the back end of it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, these are all things like, for instance, in my case, 
uh, I use two varieties. I use the gun sock and also a hard case, a hard shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do is I, I prefer or I like to cover the the firearm with a gun sock and then have it inside a hard case because I feel that mm-hmm. it just kind of gives it that extra protection of not just, you know, bouncing around or it should mm-hmm. not bounce around, but I just mean it gives it that extra little little surface protection. And I feel that yeah, it also sure. keeps humidity off, which is a, a great thing as well. Yeah, no, uh, I would strongly recommend I try to carry my, my firearms in a hard case as much as possible. Yep. Uh, I mean, especially in the vehicles, in and out of the lodge, you know, if you're going on a hunting trip, uh, on your way to your hunting stand yep. as much as possible, I'd like to have it in a hard case. Before the introduction of the gun sock, I always had a soft case as well to be able to bring in if you're going in your stand or you're coming out of your stand before or after legal shooting light, mm-hmm. uh, you still need to have your firearm in a case. Yep. Um, well, here anyway. And, you know, the soft case was the option there because once you were in your stand, you could take it out and you can tuck it away really easy. Uh, but since now they consider the gun sock uh, just as the same, it's because it, it make does not make your firearm readily available yep uh, which is the purpose of of why you need to have it cased uh, before or after shooting times yep so gun sock now has I, I don't even think i own a soft gun case now i own gun socks uh very useful sh- for shotguns um, yes that's what i use mine for yeah scoped rifles they fit but sometimes they they're just a pain um, yeah and, and i always have like a hard time thinking that you know, with the pull cord, if it not properly removed, could mess up a little bit your scope. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I get that, and it gets jammed up on your scope, on your bolt, and on everything else. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I still I still use a gun sock on my my scoped rifles, just I find it a pain. Yeah. Um. You know, I I, I do, but yeah, gun socks for shotguns are great. Don't forget, they are not necessarily a legal way to store them. Uh, here anyway. Uh, well. I shouldn't say that. Here, a long rifle or a shotgun has to have a single lock on it. Yep. Meaning that as long as you have a trigger lock on it, you're you're okay. Yep. Um, trigger or bolt. Yeah, exactly. And and for like myself with children at home, I still like to have a trigger lock in a locked case or cabinet. And I remove on my bolt action rifles, I remove the bolts and I have those locked in a separate safe, meaning that, you know, they're completely non-usable for children. And obviously the ammo is locked in another separate place, Mm -hmm. meaning that they would have to unlock many, many things. It makes me have a lot of keys, but I'd rather be safe than sorry. Yeah, exactly. And like... If we look at the differences between the soft shell, well, the gun sock, soft shell, hard shell, and also mm-hmm. obviously the 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 um, the safe itself, I mean, these are all ways that you can store readily store a firearm in. Um, mm-hmm. Although they do have their uses as well, like Matt mm-hmm. mentioned, a soft shell. Well, you would use it for let's say uh, when you only have it between you know time before or after uh, legal 
firing hours. Mm-hmm. But then we would strongly suggest that afterwards you ha- you store them in a hard shell until mm-hmm. the moment that you can store it in a gun uh, safe <clears throat> and right. firearm safe. Because these are all things to protect your firearm, but it's not necessarily the proper way to store them at home. That's right. uh, especially with other people that are around or, or so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, your best and only option is really the the gun safe, the firearm That's safe. Right. And, I mean, there are a large variety of these as well. You have some with double boltings, uh, with passcodes, with just key locks, um, either with cushion flooring inside or, you know, foam textures around the inside also to carry... I believe there's some that are like fours. There's, uh, I have a six, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, myself. I have a six. Uh, you have four sixes, uh, eight, and I think it jumps to like 12 afterwards. Yeah, it's usually, and then after that, like once you hit 12, uh, 12 gun safe, then it usually goes a lot faster than that. It goes like things like 12, 18, 24. Yeah. I know there's like there's a certain part where there's a huge jump in in mm-hmm. quantity, and then I just went like, okay, well, who knew? <laughs> I don't need that data. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, uh, it's definitely something. And then you have some also that have a you can purchase some gun safes that have a separate box uh, made for ammunition that you are allowed to store right. into that because once again, uh, ammunition and firearm may not cannot be stored in the same. Uh, that's right in the same case uh, that's why once again uh, you can also purchase ammo boxes these are mm-hmm. that can be locked up uh, ammo boxes when you carry them around must also be separate from your firearm uh, that's one big point too that I I like to stress about and that I do very often I I do exactly like Matt I always take out the bolt and when it comes to my uh, any type of rifle of the sort i always remove the bolt on any type of mode of carrying actually even if the magazine is empty Mm -hmm. i remove the magazine and i keep that in somewhere different as well that's right because i know that there's no magazine in there there's no bolt uh, there's a lock in the bolt uh there's a lock in the bolt area Mm -hmm. as well as a trigger lock i know that on top of that my ammunition is in a you know in a gun box separate yep. from everything. So my bolt is separate from everything. My mag is separate from everything. My fire, you know, my ammunition is separate from everything. So I, like Matt says, you just put everything in your favor that that, that item is just plastic and Safe. iron. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's See, all like, it is. That's why we said that this product of the day was going to be like different from anything other. This product of the day is mostly it's it's more of like the almost a topic is yeah it's almost a topic in itself and it puts it out there because you know it's important and it all depends as well we understand everybody's uh needs and and availability is different mm-hmm. so just think of your options and as always keep safety in mind I mean, if you have no children at home, uh, you can never be more lenient necessarily, but at least do the bare minimum. Yep. If you have children at home or, or live in an area where 
you know, you would be afraid of getting of theft of your firearms. Well, if they steal it with no magazine, no bolt, and no ammo, and all those things are in different areas, and they really have to work to get it, well, at least it's putting all the chances for you know safety on your side as well. Yep, exactly. Yep. No, definitely. So with that said, I mean, and you know what we'd also like to suggest, like for instance. If you do do any traveling, I would suggest that you do purchase hard cases. Hard cases, yes. I mean, you have companies like Pelican that make them, uh, Cabela makes them as well, Bass Pro and so on. Yep. Uh, you can have multiple amount of, um, you can have hard shells that are actually can store multiple amount of firearms. That's right. Uh, you also have uh, soft shells. Uh, soft shells are more like, let's say, as we were saying, when you're going from in and out of the stand before mm-hmm. and after shooting hours. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, your hard shells can be when you're traveling through, you know, let's say float planes or any type of, you know, That's right. high movement areas. Mm-hmm. A hard shell can work. Uh, well, will work. It's your best option. Um, mm-hmm. And as we mentioned before, firearm case, uh, firearm safes, uh, that is for your own house. And that is the number one thing to use. <laughs> Yep. Definitely. At all times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for your safety and for the the safety of others. Exactly. So with that said, I'd like to, uh, I think we've pretty much covered all our bases. We've covered yep. everything that we would like to cover. And we pretty much just want to wish everybody a great and wonderful day. Uh, and also to be safe out there, like we've always, we've always mentioned. And hopefully you've enjoyed our Season 3, Episode 4. And looking forward to seeing you guys on episode five as well. That's right. All right. So we'll sign out with that and have a great one. I'd also like to thank both our sponsors once again, like we usually do to everybody that listens. So with that said, I'm wishing everybody a great one. Have a good one. And we'll see each other on next episode. Cheers. Cheers.